Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Pastor Paul here in my I Love Chipotle Burritos because I do love Chipotle Burritos t-shirt. Um, hey, it's Monday morning. It's beautiful outside. It's May 9th. It's the day after Mother's Day. Everybody's just taking a deep breath, exhaling. Um, hope you had a great weekend, a great day. And by God's strange providence, we were preaching about hardening of hearts uh, specifically Pharaoh's hardened heart yesterday from Romans chapter nine. And I wanted to, to circle around to that and spend a little bit more time on that and draw out some insights from other parts of scripture that can help us understand this better. So let me read the passage from yesterday and let's dive into it here in this edition of Romans Rewind. All right, so Romans nine, verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he ever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And what we're wanting to understand is what exactly is this hardening that Pharaoh experienced, all right? And so um, one of the things that John Piper says, and this is really good, is that whenever you have a concept or idea or word or theme or verse in one part of the Bible, um, that you are unclear about or that you want to learn more about, um, oftentimes one of the best places to begin is by going back to that same author, even in the same book, and trying to understand what it means in that context. And that is totally appropriate here um, that we think about what Paul's saying about Pharaoh and his hardened heart and that, and that Paul is assuming, right, that we've read this whole letter. He's assuming that we have read Romans chapter 1 or heard Romans chapter 1, where Paul deals with this issue of hardening um, in a broader context. And, of course, he does this back in Romans chapter 1. Now, it, it will be helpful um, as we're looking at Romans 1 to, to say a couple of things here, okay? Um one is that we need to think about the grace of God sort of in two kinds of categories. And we see both of these very clearly in Scripture, okay? We want to think about God's grace both in terms of God's common grace and then in terms of God's special grace, all right? So the common grace would be the, the kind of grace that's available to everyone in the earth, on the earth, irrespective, okay, of person, irrespective of their of the condition of their heart. So for example, Jesus says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So it's raining outside. The rain does not discern who is a Christian farmer and who is a non-Christian farmer, right? Um, God has granted the gift of rain um, to everyone. In the same way, um, we read from Ecclesiastes, we read in even in Acts 17, where God has given benevolently and abundantly to all of creation in terms of food, enjoyment, time, family, 
marriage, remember that marriage isn't just for Christians. Marriage is a part of God's common grace for the benefit of all mankind. So, so there's God's common grace. And it's manifested in the fact by the fact that we are all, Christian and non-Christian alike, made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, we have capacity to make certain moral choices. All right, so look back at Romans 2 for a second. Um, so verse 13, well, let's look at verse 12 um, of chapter 2 in Romans. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, Paul, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So here Paul is talking about um, those who are outside the family of God, Gentiles in this context, those who don't know the law of God um, explicitly, okay, who aren't part of a Christian context and been taught the Bible. By virtue of the fact though, that they're made in the image of God and they have a conscience, then they, are, they have the capacity for certain moral choices. They, they have an innate sense of what is right and what is wrong. And so we should not be surprised when non-Christians do good things, when non-Christians uh, create great things, when they're great thinkers. Um, this is all part of God's common grace. Now, in terms of God's special grace, that is obviously reserved for those who know Christ. That is the grace that God gives to awaken hearts, to draw people to himself, to show people their sinfulness, their need for the gospel, their need for Christ. Now, let's think about someone like Pharaoh, okay? So Pharaoh was outside the people of God, and the, the, the available means of com the common grace was a, was a thing that was available to him. So in that sense, when Moses comes to him and demands that the people go, let to, he let the people go, Pharaoh, because of common grace, has the capacity, right, to make a moral decision, right, to, to discern what is right and what is wrong. Now, the other thing, but the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that Pharaoh has to have, he also, as we all do, has another thing internally that's warring against him, okay? And let's read from Romans 1.18, and what's warring against him, of course, is his sin, where he wants to suppress the truth in unrighteousness, all right? So let's, let's start with Romans 1.18, and we're going to circle back around to explain how this deals with hardening. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, in their think in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Let me stop there. So again, God, this is, Paul is just describing God's common grace, but because of man's sinfulness, he suppresses that truth. So Pharaoh is already in a position where even though he knows right from wrong, he's suppressing that truth in unrighteousness. He's holding it down, right? He's wanting to live in denial of it, okay? And this, let's read what happens in Romans 1. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise who gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Okay, so here we have a situation where we have to say man is wicked, but man is not as wicked as he possibly could be. In other words, think about if everybody was as wicked as they possibly could be, what kind of world we would live in. But because of God's common grace, um, man is able to do good things. He is able to, even though he's suppressing the truth, he still can live within a general moral framework. However, there, are, there come times when because of man's excessive hardening of heart, because he's hardened his heart, because he suppresses the truth, here in Romans it says that God gives them over. All right, God lifts his restraining hand of common grace, all right? And because of that, evil is even perpetuate. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Evil is multiplied, right? Perpetuated and multiplied and, and becomes even more evil than it was, all right? And so what we see with Pharaoh is that when God, when God says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, he's not saying, I'm going to take him from being a Christian to being a non-Christian, okay? Or from being a great man to being a great evil man. That's, that's not the point. The point is, Pharaoh's already hardened. He's already evil, um, even though he has a general sense of right and wrong. But to show God's power, okay, and his greatness and his might in punishing sin, he lifts his restraining hand of common grace against Pharaoh, where Pharaoh continues to harden his already hardened heart. And Paul tells us one of the reasons God does this is so that God can show his magnificence in his punishment of sin. Now, we're going to talk more about that in the coming week, right, in this, in this next Sunday sermon. But for now, I think that helps us understand a little bit better, again, God is not arbitrarily going around and he sees someone who's seeking him and placing their faith in him and trusting him and decides arbitrarily to harden their hearts. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about God giving someone over to the base desires of their heart. In other words, he gives them the freedom, quote unquote, to be themselves, to pursue the things that are rumbling around in their heart. And we need to be thankful for God's God's common grace, okay? Um, but, um, or else we would all be more wicked than we could be in the world. 
But we do see even today, right? God lifts his um, hand of common grace so that there is a continual harding, hardening. And that hardening, in fact, is indeed a punishment for sin, right? It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's letting people sort of reap what they sow, uh, have the desires of their heart, and in doing so, bring even further judgment upon themselves, which was already there, but which is now made manifold and explicit. And I think that's kind of what we see here in Romans chapter 9. And so again, it's very good to pray for people's salvation. It's very good to pray for our culture, to pray for our leaders, to pray for um, the degradation that we see around us, that God would restrain that. God would bring people to a knowledge of repentance. Um, but sometimes, as part of the just punishment that people deserve anyway, God gives them over to the base natures of their heart so that he can show himself mighty and glorious in the way that he deals with sin. All right, so maybe that sheds a little bit more light on th something we mentioned yesterday. We're going to continue on this theme of Romans 9 tomorrow, but for now, let me pray for us. Lord, Thank you for this time. And again, we pray, Father, that you would shepherd hearts into the kingdom, that you would unplug ears, that you would lift blinders from eyes. And Father, that you would um, be gracious to us. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody.